This is Fun Reason Radio, and today's a guest speaker with Sebastian Joe, investor at Alpha Square Group. And also, Sebastian works with a lot of family offices. So, in this episode, we'll talk about how family offices are reacting to this pandemic. How do they still invest? Are they just waiting for the dust to settle? And we'll also discuss who should the founders go to right now to raise money. Should it be a venture capital? Should it be an angel investor? Should it be angel group? Should it be a family office? Should it be a regular bank? <laughs> we don't know yet. But hopefully Sebastian will bring some light to that question. So Sebastian, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on the Alpha Square Group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for having me. So on, on our end, so basically, uh, I'll probably start by shedding more lights on, on AlphaScore Group and then and then my background. So basically, AlphaScore Group were a single family office based in New York. So we started in uh, 2014-15 uh, as a single family office uh, with the family backgrounds uh, into financial services and insurance in, in our side. Specifically, we do uh, looking for broader asset allocation into uh, private, public, and, and art, uh, mainly contemporary arts on our side uh, with broader uh, asset allocation mandate. Uh, but, but we do have a strong emphasis into uh, the private side, whereas we uh, do actively uh, invest directly and also into some fund as an LP position uh, as well uh, into private market specifically. So we, we started uh, while in 2014 uh, and 15. So by um, now since inception, we have invested across 33 companies so far. Uh, and, and there's, you know, uh, the other position that we had either directly and indirectly uh, as well. And, and that's a little bit overview on, on the background of the family office. And, uh, and, and, and for us specifically on, on the private side, we do invest across early growth and, and uh, mid to late growth uh, stage of the company. Mm-hmm. Got it. So yeah, I think you forgot to mention more of your background. So we know what Alpha Square does, but what's your what what brought you here? What brought you to the to the VC field? Yeah, 100%. Uh, happy to share. So. Uh, I actually grew up in Asia. Uh, I do spend time across broader Asia, and, and um, I, I moved to U.S. Uh, roughly at the age of 16. Um, and, and, and essentially, um, I, I do spend time in both uh, Asia and the U.S. for a decent amount of time. And, and uh, I do spend uh, my career initially uh, in sales and trading uh, at Morgan Stanley, and, and then uh, spending time into asset management. Um, and, and variety of uh, the financial services aspect, nice. um, nice, and, nice. and then and then diving to uh, the, the family office side, whereas we do uh, allocate broadly both into private and, and public. Uh, whereas uh, the, the the interest uh, to me uh, is uh, is more linked towards uh, the, uh, the the private side, whereas we could be more value add to entrepreneur. Uh, in a sense, uh, and by helping them guiding through, um, you know, the, the cycles or helping them grow alongside us as well. So um, uh, by, I guess, definition family office, we do allocate to both. So we do have a flexibility to invest either the public and private. And in the meanwhile, uh, be a long-term uh, patient capital uh, towards the company. So 
uh, and I'm pretty excited to join roughly AlphaSquare uh, three years ago um, and then has been always um, on the investor side and alongside that helping the company or portfolios we invest in uh, to scale uh, to the next level. Mm-hmm. Got it. So first question here would be about family offices. I recently had interviews with uh, a lot of angels and they're saying the same thing. Uh, basically, VCs have to infuse more capital right now because they were sitting on cash for several months and they basically have to deploy it now not to disappoint their LPs, basically. How does it work with the uh, family offices? Are they waiting for for uh, for dust to sell? Are they behaving like angel investors or not really? Yeah, so as for family office, broadly speaking, uh, people are definitely more uh, cautious um, where to deploy capital. And, and obviously you see in the market of pension, et cetera, those would be, um, and, and uh, historically, or has been hurt by the public market, they they try to reallocate uh, from their you know private position, uh, reap to the public, or vice versa. But the general sense is uh, the people a little bit cautious more on the private side in general. Uh, as for us, um, and we, we do actively allocate to uh, both from an LP perspective, but also the uh, direct investment perspective. But uh, I, I just don't imagine that will be the same velocity and and the pace as before, because um, as as there's definitely an impact into economics, even though it wasn't really fully reflected into the public market yet. Um, but uh, on our side, we we'll, we'll try to think of more of long term view versus uh, a few year horizon. So so uh, by by doing that, we do think there's uh, the company will be viewed uh, throughout the crisis or or cycle or or I guess downturns per se, uh, as we observe in 20, uh, 2008. Uh, back you see the the likes of Twilio's or or Shopify was uh, actually viewed uh, throughout the, the crisis. So I, I do think it's the best time to uh, allocate and also to build a company. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this one. So now, before we jump deeper into this topic, I wanted to hear more of your perspective and specifically what exactly do you do as an investor at Alpha Square Group? What's your role? So, uh, I guess from my side specifically, so we, uh, as, as I mentioned, right, we, we do broader asset allocation that ranging from uh, private, public, and, and contemporary arts. Uh, on my role specifically, I, I do tend to cover uh, mostly on the private, uh, where it could be uh, an investment, a direct investment that into the sector, which tend to we focus on enterprise and fintech. Uh, there's two sector, even though we have done so uh, consumer or e-commerce before, uh, but that wouldn't be a core focus uh, on our end in terms of the investment mandate. So uh, majority of my time would be on the private. So I do cover funds uh, and, um, and direct investment. So we do typically five to eight uh, direct investment uh, and core direct investment uh, by that, what I mean, uh, in, in, in a given year. And then um, uh, that's typically the, the pace we will be spending time. So, but on the other side, I do tend to cover um, a, a bit into uh, helping the, the company that uh, I do 
cover uh, back when making an initial investment uh, helping their go-to-market strategy, but also um, a strategic client's uh, introduction, uh, not just only in the U.S., but also the APAC in general, uh, that will could, that will could be uh, helpful. On. So those would be, uh, I guess, my majority of my time would be spent on. Mm -hmm. Got it. And the next question is, how do you source the deal? So how do you find those uh, startups that you want to invest in privately? Um, so I guess from a, a family office perspective, um, it is a little bit different, but, but uh, it's an aspect that we do overlap with uh, the, the VC of the world. So uh, we tend to think of our, as ourselves that uh, we, we, we try to uh, keep a relatively uh, a low profile while maintaining pretty active in terms of asset allocating or investment. Uh, so we, we do tend to use a few approach, one being the research-driven approach. I think that's a cross-board for a lot of the hedge funds or, or the VCs uh, that we do spend a, a few months into a particular sector uh, to understand the key players and pinpoints of value chains that, uh, that we, when we encounter a company, that we uh, get to know other players and what are some challenges that the company need to solve to get to the next step. So uh, the, that by, by definition, the research of our approach that would actually generate a, a lot of uh, either, I guess, outbound targets or I guess inbound uh, as well. And then the second, I would say, uh, it's the entrepreneur and portfolio network. So since inception, we've, we've had uh, over 30 portfolios, uh, the core portfolio by that, I mean, usually it's uh, larger than a few million position um, and, and that, and through that network, we usually would have a referral uh, from the portfolios, uh, either it could be the entrepreneur itself or, or broadly speaking, the partners they have worked with uh, either in the earlier side uh, or so. So those could be another channel uh, to source a deal as well. And, and third, I would generally say it's a little bit unique. Uh, and, and given that we're in the family office community, uh, there is a, a family office who Either on the investment side, they have their uh, own direct investment practice, whereas we do collaborate pretty often, or uh, that the family could be on more on the operation side, whereas they do see a, a lot of a strategic alliance with their business and and, and partnership we can uh, strike with. Uh, and, and those would be uh, three channels that to source the deal. And third point, it's, it's a little bit usually different than the other VCs, I would say. Because uh, we do have globally, we tend to partner with uh, 300, uh, 300 plus family offices, uh, either uh, in, in financial services, uh, insurance, uh, telecom, and then a variety of the sectors and you name it. Mm -hmm. Got it. So you mentioned that, I mean, I got the major, the major sources of, uh, of your deal flow. I was wondering, can a founder just basically email you or... Can they reach out to you on LinkedIn and you will actually take a look at their pitch deck or is it not something that works with you guys? Uh, generally speaking, uh, the, the email would be more responsive than the other channel, technically, but I do tend to uh, take meetings selectively uh, by meaning that usually if, if it's more personalized email or message, I would, I would generally apply. Uh, a reply, but 
if, if the standard templates or I guess the, the group message, uh, it's, it's usually uh, a bit difficult, but I, I try to uh, respond uh, to all the emails, at least uh, on the other channels, I, I cannot guarantee, but uh, I would be welcome to, uh, to those entrepreneurs who tend, tends to reach out, but also to personalize uh, to the angle where I uh, do see the uh, strategic alliance or, or things we're particularly looking for. Right, right. That's great. So now let's discuss the topic that's one probably of the major, the most trending topics right now in terms of uh, VC world. And it's who should founders go to right now for funding? So we have three major sources of capital for startup founders, which is angel investors and VCs and family offices. Which of those three do you think uh, founders should choose right now for funding? Um, I think, uh, generally speaking, depending on stages, it, it both, uh, I guess all of them works, but, uh, at this point, I do believe, uh, if, if you wanted to go to a VC that you, uh, needed to have a, uh, a very clear, uh, proposition. And usually it's, a the, the, the thing that works is typically you need to go to one of, or the few of the GPs that could essentially, um, and, and make the call directly in this difficult situation. It, it is definitely getting better, but I guess during the past few months with COVID uh, to make an investment decision in a, in a I guess, given weeks or one month timeframe, that's uh, virtually a, a um, I guess, the long-term uh, play yeah. or efforts. So it's virtually a, a bit difficult. And, and for family office specifically, um, I, I do see the value of, uh, of uh, patient capital because usually uh, technically the family office uh, don't have, a, first of all, don't have a strict ownership requirement. And, and in terms of the investment horizon, we tend to take a pretty much a, a long-term view that we can weather through the cycles and, and, um, and, and thesis, whereas they could be restricted by their mandate. It could be, uh, you know, six years, 10 years, or 10 plus two years, right? Uh, it could be anything uh, on the family office that, that that's much nimbler. And, and obviously, if there's alignment of specifically uh, the family office with the, the backgrounds um, or, or essentially the operation business that could be a great alignment with the entrepreneur uh, or the company they're trying to build, uh, I, I think that's, uh, uh, that's amazing channel uh, for sure for the uh, for entrepreneurs to go into specifically. And, and the other side, I, I would say, uh, for a lot of the family offices, they do have a ability to be nimble because they can do uh, equity. They can do more like a life credit. They can do a debt, uh, which some family offices could do both or, or some of, uh, one of them. Um, I think it, in that, given that sense, it's, it's a little bit, I guess, flexible than the typical VC. Uh, whereas you do uh, require, I, I guess, the, the specific return hurdles or what the strategy you're, you're being limited to to equity investment or so. That's actually a very good point. The structure of VC is very crucial in this case. So great that you've pointed out. And speaking of angel investors and VCs, uh, do you do any angel investments on the side? So besides working for Alpha Square Group, do you do any angel investments? 
uh, I I would say a handful, um, and and mm -hmm. even though the majority of uh, the investment tends to be on the uh, is in selling to public, and then whereas uh, at the family office level, we we do have a uh, the the deals we invest in uh, as the firm level, we do have some flexibility to co-invest as well. So. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it could be earlier side or, or growth stage. So I, it tends to, or we do tend to participate alongside as well um, and separately, but I guess that's a, um, a handful, uh, I would say, in a, in a given year or so. Mm -hmm. Right, that's got it. So one of the questions that I personally like to discuss is what can convince you to move forward with some specific startups. So for example, you get a personalized email on on email <laughs> and then asking you know to review your pitch deck and you know just give some feedback, et cetera, et cetera. What are the first things that you look at in that email or in that pitch deck? What's what are those decisive factors for you that will make you think like, hey, I want to be a part of that company? Uh, yeah, I think speaking to the, the way that, uh, to, to interact, the first of all, definitely be pretty upfront um, on, I guess, introduction on, on the backgrounds and obviously and, and understand uh, the, the I guess, first of all, the, the stages we invest in and then potentially that uh, you know, because some of the portfolios are actually on our website, so they actually know uh, who they wanted to talk to or do see the value proposition when uh, when AlphaScore or us came in uh, to to back them initially. So I, I do I do appreciate if if I guess entrepreneurs would would take a, a extra initiative or or step that to look through our portfolios, and then we'll always be love to. Uh, to introduce the portfolios amongst each other and or to prospect portfolios. So that's one thing we, we do advocate. So I, I guess just pretty much articulate, um, I guess, um, uh, on the value proposition that you brought to, uh, I guess, the, the industry and, and potentially um, why would be, uh, I guess, needing uh, capital from us and, and how we can be value add uh, is, is crucial to us beyond just, I guess, the, the long-term or patient capital. Mm -hmm. Right, that's actually a good note. So now let's talk about more specific things that you want to see on the beach deck. So what are the three must-have points on the beach deck? Uh, for sure. So I, I think uh, generally there's uh, actually three or four points. Uh, first, I would say is uh, I, I would be looking at, I guess, uh, for any stages, right, uh, but uh, the, the earlier uh, much earlier side where I guess the mid-stage would be a little bit different, but generally speaking, uh, first would be uh, why now? Uh, I think that's crucial and, and especially when, uh, why would you decide to build the company now versus then a few years ago or, or maybe in the three years? Um, and, and second, I would say uh, is, is uh, you know, mission critical. Uh, why is the product or the service you're building is mission critical to uh, the, the customer or, or the end users, right? Uh, so though by, by that definition, you would be clearly stating the, uh, the value proposition and you understanding to the industry uh, that you're building towards. So, you know, that's the second point, which we do 
uh, evaluate that um, pretty seriously. And 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 a third point I, I would say, um, I, I, I do tend to look at I guess the the mode, right? So, um, essentially, um, it, it is just a and what makes you I guess different than the others that you couldn't really replicate. Is that the the previous experience with execution, or is that a, a more technical mode, uh, or or is that I guess the others that we could look out, and and then maybe that I guess third third point or fourth point that's together with uh, number three is uh, why you I guess specifically right mm -hmm. to to build the business or the industry that you wanted to tap into. Right, those are actually great points that you mentioned especially the last two i love them i personally take a lot of time looking at those and you know figuring out what those are uh so we discussed what should you have on the pitch deck and let's discuss what you should not have on the pitch deck on your first introductory email what are the things that serve as red flags for you when you just face the company in any way yeah, so I, I would generally say try to uh, avoid, I guess, too much wording. I guess on the formality-wise, try to avoid too much of wording uh, in, in a presentation or a deck. Uh, so whereas you, you maybe you can show a lot of graph to illustrate exactly the point that you try to make. And then uh, second, I would say on the market specifically, uh, we, we, we're expecting anything more than a just a, a enormous or big temp uh, because the market is a, a big apparently, but I, I guess that doesn't guarantee that um, a, a company could capture uh, the, the market share uh, out of it, right? So, or I guess maintain competitive uh, or, or mode uh, alongside the process. So I, I would generally avoid just only stating uh, if there's a huge temp, but uh, how do you get to, I guess, the next level as equally uh, important as, as just stating uh, the, the larger TAM and also, uh, I guess, the team's background. So those were two to add out, <laughs> just to a point. And then, uh, and, and just, I guess, to keep pretty concise on, on, on the points that you wanted to articulate and, and, uh, and also the value proposition, um, it, it is extremely crucial um that and, and maybe on the competitive landscape that uh that show that you clearly understand uh the, the competitiveness of the industry and uh, where the place are and how you are different uh from them from either go to market or product uh, itself so those i would i would generally say that uh to pick uh to put a greater emphasis uh and and rather than just a a um i guess stating on single factor of the market itself Mm -hmm. Right. I think the the one that I like the most on this list is actually you know, separating the small step and the big vision in general, because some founders focus so much on the big vision, they forget to, to say, like, what's what's the plan for the next month? You know, they don't really know what's the plan for the next month, but they know the plan for the next 10 years. Um, so we're coming up to our last question today, and it's a call to action. What's one thing that you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Uh, so I, I would say for anyone who is building the company, 
today. I, I, or I guess already get funding down and, and keep running. I, I do think that's the best time to, to head down to build a company and, and to, to carry on the execution, right? So as I mentioned, uh, best company and, and would be uh, surviving uh, out of the, the crisis or, or uncertainties would essentially thrive um, as we observe back in the last cycle, right? Even though apparently the private market or uh, the public market that haven't reflected into the, uh, the, the I guess the economics or or the real impact into um, a, a later spectrum. Um, but but I, I do really uh, think it's the best time to build a company and and also to add extra cushion to uh, the, the cash position that you have because we, we really don't know what will be happening in, in um, I guess the six months time frame and how the market will be making adjustment uh, or we either I guess down uh, the, the 18 month or so we just don't uh, know yet on, on, on impact on timing perspective uh, from a previous um, COVID situation or so, right? There's definitely impact, uh, but clearly it wasn't fully reflected into, into uh, I guess, the market yet. And and also looking forward, uh, I guess, um, I, I do believe uh, two aspects to, uh, to remain true. Uh, first of all, definitely the, uh, you know, the company needs to raise capital, right? Uh, usually it's uh, it's a 12, to 18 month or 24 month timeframe. But uh, in this, you know, uh, extreme environment, it could be different. Um, and so as I mentioned, it's always great to get more capital into it and then start to focus on product execution, uh, et cetera. And, and the second, there's definitely um, a, a generally uh, a shift from a growth at all cost mentality than to a, um, a cost uh, basic allocation uh, exercise. So, so basically, uh, the, the funders need to have a uh, to make a choice when when it, it comes to their uh, investor syndicates or what essentially uh, to to weigh the uh, opportunity cost to choosing any partners. So, so um, those I would say um, it is just uh, to diversify the the capital pool. So essentially to have some VCs um, in, in your cap table, obviously guide you through, um, you know, go to market strategy, anything else, and, and also following through um, the, the entire life cycle of the company. And also, and, and one thing just to, uh, to, I guess, to add on is uh, for, for family office or even for VCs, because uh, in family office, apparently a, a lot of LPs into those funds and, and also um, and, and itself, right? So it's a, it's a both is a kind of GP slash LP type, right? So essentially to understand their backgrounds and, and the investor base would be crucial as well. Because usually the, 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 um, a, the LP, I would say, um, basis of the fund or generally the family office itself is uh, the hidden assets. So there's, there's a critical role to, to play or driving the values uh, for funders, even I guess in the most difficult or uncertain times. Uh, so those those would be the points I, I wanted to add. And and obviously for entrepreneurial funders uh, to, uh, to, to keep in mind as well. Great, that's actually great advice. That's a good call to action. So we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Sebastian, for coming up and for sharing your experience in this field, for you know, shading some light onto the life of uh, family offices right now during this pandemic. And stay safe out there.
Yeah, we'll appreciate it.